Chapter Two of Arctic A Study of the Marvels at the North Pole by Anna Adolph. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Two Those Starry Choirs That Watch Around the Pole. Casimir. The first iceberg is but the precursor of many that block our way, then block the land to perpetual imprisonment, giving us first taste of this speciality of our trip, as we stop a few days in the last place of civilization. We find good entertainment with pleasant people who are willing to aid us in our endeavor for knowledge, yet solemnly warn us not to dare the dangers ahead. They stock us with dried meat, supply us with double sealskin outfits. In fact, sealskins line our sleigh to aid in keeping us warm. They end by giving us their uttermost paths. Had our home friends in California been more solicitous and amused themselves less at our expense, at this juncture we would have returned to them, for our hearts are dropping like lead. But our pride aids us as our eyes bravely scan the pole star ahead. May, do you want to go home? As I see her wipe the tears out of her big blue eyes. Not I. This is the best part of it. Only the frosty air makes me cry. Do you not want to see your mamma? Yes, but I will have so much more to tell her. Waking to enthusiasm and paramount faith. Polished ice glass in hand, I firmly wave adieu. In the last few days of our stay have been finished preparations for what, to the nation, is a centennial celebration. A barbecue is held on an ice-glittering plaza. Emerald ice-tables chamois-clothed, hold a wondrous feast. Whole reindeer rigs, the sledge a pastry, great Christmas trees are confections. This now engages the crowds. We rub our hands together and, shall I say it, our noses, in local fashion of goodbye, as our prow points north. We have carefully selected the season of the year with intent to follow the continual dawn-light, night and day, of this region, which, yet faint, is hardly sufficient to keep us moving swiftly. When, lo, near us darts up a bright glare, followed by others, around and ahead, as far as we can see, illuminating the air. They are bonfires of the celebration, heaps of cones, added to yearly, surround a ring of pine-trees, the center a tall, hollow trunk as chimney. The glorious flickering of glory, I feel to believe, is miles in extent. Climbing miles up the heavy atmosphere, it is advanced to iceberg peaks, beyond and below the horizon, visited thus only for ages, do they enclose the pole? Are they the goal we seek? Springing up the crystal shafts in warmth of welcome, 
are reflected back again and beckon us on. Our minds in sublime mood to silence are disturbed, as father suddenly jerks up his head. It is now the red fire of the north. The rare mystery the superstitious ancients believed to be a sign of war is now solved, and the simple, in fact, is most beautiful of sight. Our path is strangely smooth, as though some hitherto sea has congealed and left a frozen plain, which gives us grateful relief until our direction ceases and the last marked path stops and an icy lobe rears high before us. Clamp spurring our wheels, we climb its height, to find a table formation level graded, an unmistakable sign of ice-locked land, as if an island included in the cold grasp that holds the sea. We do not go far, when a pile of ice-rocks hem in a space, we proceed to inspect. Hastily curving by, we are suddenly brushed by a bush, and berries rattle lusciously on our window-pane. Flinging it open, a balmy air salutes us, forcing us out upon a bright-hued snow-flower carpet. What? Berries in spring? In arctic forcing-houses? No cold night to delay matters as Charlie is about to cram his mouth. But I, on closely examining, fail to identify them, and jot in my book a new name, Onigajis. He looks over to read, Gajis, Gajis, gorge us, please. To woo-a-woo, wavers our brains and quivers our eyes as we see a great white owl perched on our banner, blinking. I see near by an apple vine. I reach out and take a most beautiful red specimen, before I am aware that it is already in the mouth of a serpent, coiled around the twig. Unconsciously an Eve, as unconscious also, is the reptile who looks at me with kind, appreciative eyes. But I drop the apple and get into the sleigh, quite weak, unable to prevent May from taking and eating another, giving one to father. Seeing me in, Charlie gets ready to enter by loading the bottom. The owl has gone, but approaching is a gorgeous stork of orange plumage. Of camel size, it coolly steps over us, as the rest quickly step in, and we move forward. Thinking this may be a lost Eden, I look curiously to discover the life-tree, to see May and Father, who have turned deathly pale, reel in their seats. Stopping quickly, put snow on their heads and bind it by leaves of a high shrub we are under. Shuddering, they grasp the leaves in their teeth and swallow the juice as their breath revives, a red glow on their cheeks. Was it the leaves of healing? Much trampled beneath had given us roadway. 
as expected we enter a herd of foxes who are barking in play and basking in the unusual light as all else unnoticing us we glide along quite securely charlie has studied the lesson of the apple as he audaciously reaches down and takes one and calmly eats it in conjunction with the leaves to my perturbed attention we reach the edge of the island and go down to the sea plain again which is here more rough and icy waves making the travel quite difficult the waves grew larger until mountains high then lessened and gradually disappeared having unfolded to us a frozen storm at sea the surface is smoother and smoother so that we start up swiftly a gale scurries toward us from behind as it strikes us charlie opens valves and we rise in our seats unable to contain our ardor as miles are covered in our extending speed which continues as the moments and hours pass father's speed measure marking a mile a second hundreds of miles are covered and the ice is still smooth knowing we are not so far away from the peaks that point the pole we hourly anticipate a view as of masts arriving at sea but instead we are shocked to see the flame-hued sky settled densely in a fog so long our friend its warmth had melted the congealed air and now clouds our nautical bearing our compass is our sole northly guide but what what is the matter with it that it hangs its head and stops we are lost in frenzy now the hours go by as we circle blindly when a luminant point attracts us far away is it the serried guide shaft it is famished and cold our steam spent and wheels broken we make but slow speed toward the flickering gleam attaining it we have only left us our wings by which we rise up the cliffside of the topping pinnacle to see others massed and braided in arcaded confusion before us weakening while above their splintering and crashing avalanches we drop on the side of the sheerest bayonet of all as hundreds of hues are changing and ranging and glistening sea waves in a deep long valley below us not long but a round level plain girdled by this ring of bergs that hem it in our pained eyes watch father stolidly take our local bearings then with him shout in audible voice the north pole End of chapter 2